Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what do falling house prices mean, not only for buyers and sellers, but for the economy and for those investing in property? Why do we have such an attachment to bricks and mortar? And could decades of property price growth finally be coming to an end? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. With interest rates on the rise, property prices were always going to come under pressure this year. But in point of fact, the major measures of house prices were showing resilience, up until the summer at least, but now they are beginning to flash red. Nationwide, the Building Society shot the market last week, with its index this month showing prices 5.3% lower than a year ago. And Halifax is also expected to show accelerating falls when it reports on prices later this week. Is this the end of several decades of more or less sustained house price growth? And what could the fallout be of significant house price falls? To answer all of that, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, There is always an automatic hit to demand in the property market, isn't there, when mortgage rates go up? Because, of course, buyers have less money. Um, They have gone up, but if we're looking at house price measures, it's taken a while, hasn't it, for them to reflect this hit to demand? Yes, that's true. Uh, it has taken a while. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is the um, the proliferation of fixed rate mortgages in, in recent years. I mean, many, many people with mortgages now uh, do have fixed rates either for two years or five years or even even longer in some cases. So there are plenty of people who are still locked into interest rates uh, at much lower levels. They, they, they took out their loans um, during the pandemic, for example, when interest rates were, were much lower. Um, and, they, and, and over time, they will reset their mortgages at, at higher rates. But for many people, it just hasn't happened yet. So that's one of the reasons why there's always a bit of a lag. Um, mm. It's also a very illiquid market, the, yes. the housing market. And, you know, no one, no one, well, I say no one, not everyone actually has to sell. And many people will, will make the decision that if prices are falling, they'll say, well, you know, actually, I'll just stay put. And so it's not a it's not like the stock market where yeah. there's a where it's a very clear uh, link between changes in in the environment and prices. That's exactly right. I was going to make the same point about the illiquid nature of, of uh, the housing market. Even if you just think about selling uh, one house in the housing market, how long that takes, you know, um, the the sort of uh, the, all the obstacles you have to overcome to do that. Compare that to the stock market where you have almost infinite data points telling you exactly what everything is worth and 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 and, and the fact that those things that are changing hands are fungible. You know, they are, yeah. you, you know, a house is unique, isn't it? And so all these things add up to a difference. And there's something to say around the actual measures for house prices. Um, there's I don't know, half a dozen or more um, indices showing house price levels. Um, they are simply averages of, of house prices. They all show something slightly different. You've got nationwide Halifax, they're lenders showing what's happening to, to 
houses bought with their mortgage products. Yeah, um, and, and that of course, that's an important point actually because you know. Uh, not everyone who's buying a property um, has a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, and, and those those figures that, that are commonly quoted from the likes of the Nationwide and Halifax do specifically relate to, to, to people with um, with mortgages. I thought the Nationwide figures were interesting, um, though, because they uh, they did show quite a quite a marked acceleration in the rate of decline. Mm. Because I think, did you say it was 5.3%? Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah, in August. I think the July figure was 3.8%. Yeah, these are annualised figures. Annualised figures. So so year on year, um, that's quite a big change, you know, over, over one month. So it does suggest, you know, what you were saying was that we've had this period of, you know, you know, the housing market holding its breath, and maybe it is now entering a period of more concerted declines. Yeah, and, and, and um, there's, there's a measure of actual sold prices which is the land registry i suppose that's actually the most accurate mm. but it's probably the uh, the one with the biggest lag because yeah. by the time a, a house is actually sold it takes several months it may be that we're now getting the pronounced fall and listen i'm saying pronounced fall i mean stock market investors hearing you know a 5.3 percent fall are going to be like well you know what are you worried about yeah. um but there seems to be a bigger element of momentum in house prices they take a long time to to, to speed up. Yeah, it's more down. of an oil tanker, isn't it? It's, yeah. it? It takes longer to change direction. And once you get in this sort of downward cycle, it might go on for, for months or, or even in on occasions years. Yeah. And you mentioned that the, um, you know, there can be a delay in sellers sort of uh, kind of agreeing to lower prices. I mean, that's part of the part of the house buying process as well. Do you think it could be that we're hitting the point now that those people who are selling, perhaps they have to sell because lots of people will simply choose not to sell. But if people have to sell, they're beginning to get more realistic about their selling prices. They understand that the environment is tougher and that buyers simply have less money to put down because mortgage rates are higher. And there's a change of mentality amongst sellers. Yeah, I mean, the, the psychology of it is, is very uh, interesting. I think, you know, in, in behavioural finance terms, it's called, I think it's called the, the endowment effect, that, that essentially when you own something, um, you think it's worth a lot more than the person on the other side of the transaction. <laughs> and you're reluctant to, 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 to give something up for less than what you think it's worth. And also, you tend to anchor on, on a price. So if you were... You know, if you bought a, a property at a, at a higher price, um, you are very reluctant to sell it um, at, at the lower price, even if that is just a, a, a realistic assessment of what the market is currently. But but that's fascinating because we're veering off script here, Tom, but um, <laughs> it's, this is interesting. Uh, that it's not unique to the housing market, but it's absolutely rife in the housing market anchoring. You ask anyone what's their house price worth, they will give you a a very precise number, mm. and they will be really rigid about that. They will say, "I know what it's worth." You know, you can't you got you can't offer me less than that. I know what it's worth. Yeah, people would never get so attached to a share. They no. would never say, "Well, I know what Barclays Bank shares are yeah. worth," and you, know, I'm not going to sell for less. Yeah. It, they understand better that there's a but there's a market and there's the value of something is what someone's well and, to this, pay. and this <laughs> is related to what we were talking about earlier that having a having a, a daily price or even more than a daily price a minute by minute price um, actually makes you accept that that is that is the price whereas if you had your house valued a year ago um, no. and it was x and it's now x minus 10 percent then actually it's human nature to, to anchor on that x figure yeah Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, I've asked the question in my intro about whether this is some sort of pronounced, sort of significant 
fall in house prices. The last time we saw any kind of significant fall was uh, 2008-9. Um, of course, there was a lot going on. We'd had a credit crunch. We'd had a financial crisis and a recession at that point. Now, I think the the, com- the comparisons and the differences between now and then are quite interesting because both now and then relate to disruption in the in the demand for um, houses because the supply of mortgages is affected. Now, of course, it's interest rates which have kind of, how would you say, sort of ratcheted up the uh, the rates and, and lowered the ability of people to pay. Mm. Back in 2008-9, it was a squeeze in the banking system. Basically, banks stopped lending in a very sudden way. So different kinds of um, blockages to lending, but both blockages nonetheless. And what I would suggest is that Back in 2008-9, we knew what the problem was, right? And once the banking system was uh, sorted out, which wasn't an overnight thing, of course, it took a long time, the lending came back and all the demand was there. This might be a slightly different situation. I think it's a completely different situation. I mean, you know, back then, it was uh, it was an issue of the availability of finance for mm. people. Even if, they, even if they were in work and they had... Um, uh, you know, a, a, a reliable income, and they could afford to buy a, a property. Uh, it might have been difficult for them to get get finance to do it. Now, the problem today is rather different. I mean, the problem today is 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 about affordability. That um, people, uh, you know, there's been a there's been a sea change in in the cost of um, financing financing a house. Yeah. Um, I mean, many people have have gone from mortgage rates of under two percent um, to mortgage rates of Five percent plus. That is a huge difference yeah. um, uh, in the affordability, and and you would have thought that it must, in due course, be reflected uh, in prices. But for the reasons that we've said, that process might take quite a long time, and it might actually not uh, be achieved by an outright fall in house prices. It might be achieved by uh, house prices falling in real inflation-adjusted terms over a period of time or it might be a combination of the two yeah, yeah. Uh, because i mean if you look at house prices um you know if house prices have fallen by five percent according to the nationwide um and then you think that inflation is running at you know high single digits now then actually that's a that's a fall of you know in the low teens in the real value of of a house price. people don't really think about that but it's but it's it's what it is and when we think about rates returning to normal um, we know, or we certainly expect that that's going to take several years. As you say, we've actually done a lot of work internally, haven't we, about um, you know how long it's going to take for, uh, or, or how long these mortgage rate rises are going to be felt for. And certainly the Bank of England has, is saying, look, we're only at the start of this because month on month on month, as they roll by, more people are going to be rolling on off of fixed rate deals, which you've mentioned. And so it could be, two and a half years it could be the end of 2025 before this effect begins to unwind that's a long time for uh well everyone to get used to falling prices in the housing market and that is very significant because we haven't had that prolonged period of falls have we where where people think well actually if i'm buying this house it could well be worth less in a year's time than, than it is now. Yeah, and I think actually the the issue is 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 a bit more profound than that because I mean you said it might take 
a long time for interest rates to get back to where they were. Well, actually, I think it's possible that interest rates never get Indeed. back to where they yeah. were or, or, you know, or not in our lifetimes uh, yeah. anyway. I mean, you know, after the financial crisis, interest rates were at extraordinarily low levels. They were at emergency levels for many, many years. And of course, we got used to that. And we, we, we thought of that as being the new normal but it wasn't the new normal it was yeah. a it was a prolonged aberration and if and if interest rates now stay at three or four percent five percent you know that is something which a we're going to have to get used to but the housing market is going to have to adjust to that new reality because the fact of the matter is that if you could have you know what was affordable at an interest rate of 1.8 percent is not affordable at an interest rate of five and a half percent, and if mm. and if that's where interest rates settle because inflation doesn't come down as as expected, um, then there will have to be a prolonged adjustment. And if we're talking about factors that might be sort of fundamentally different now after this period, um, we've also seen a big exodus from the market from landlords. Mm. And of course, they've been a feature, particularly of the UK property market, for decades now, um, including all through the period with the financial crisis. Um, and it's been gradually been getting harder to be a landlord, particularly a kind of casual buy-to-let landlord or a small buy-to-let landlord. The tax treatment is different. It's much harsher. We've spoken about it on the pod, and I'm not going to go into it now, but it's just harder to make the sums work nowadays. Um there are figures out there which will show that uh, apparently a lot of landlords cashing in at this point, that you can see this in the receipts for capital gains, mm-hmm. um, where they're already facing higher rates on, on property sales of additional properties. That could be something which does not return in quite the same way once those landlords have gone. And that, of course, is more demand pulled out of the property mm. market. I think this is a really important factor, um, actually, because, I mean, you know, during during our lifetimes, there's been the pendulum has swung both ways. I mean, you know, back in the 1980s and 1990s, there was there was a drive actually to make um, being a landlord more attractive and mm. the, the rules changed on you know evicting tenants and shorthold tenancies and all of those kinds of changes That's happened right, yeah. um, and and now the pendulum has swung the other way and for the reasons you mentioned um, tax treatment in particular it's much less favorable to be a landlord now so lots of people who um, you know we're not professional landlords they stumbled into it and, and it just made a lot of sense it now makes much less sense for, the, for for taxation reasons, for the reason that interest rates have gone up on mortgages, so the sums don't add up uh, anymore. There are environmental considerations, people having to make their properties more um, environmentally friendly for them yeah. to, 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 to qualify. It, it, for lots of reasons, I think you can see why landlords are, are exiting the market in droves. Something like 20% of all households in the UK are in the private rented sector. Uh, about four and a half million households. So that is um, a significant part of the market. Mm-hmm. And if there's a drain on landlords, um, you know, we're going to see a big impact. We're already seeing the impact, actually, in what's going on in the rental market, which, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's happening everywhere, but certainly in London, it's, it's gone absolutely bananas because of the absence, the lack of supply. Yeah, and it's an interesting equation, isn't it? Because I've always thought, particularly in a market like London, we're talking in London, in case people hadn't um, worked that out, um, there must be some of those renters that would actually like to be buyers and probably could be if mar- if if prices fell. So it, it there might be a recalibration, but those recalibrations take time, don't mm. they? And in the meantime, you can have big mismatches and suddenly, uh, f- you know, way too few 
rental properties for mm. the for the number of people that want them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a common theme of everything that we're talking about is that these things don't happen overnight in yeah. in the property market. You know, in the stock market, you get you can get quite dramatic corrections, and you know, in a matter of days or weeks, you know, twenty percent can be knocked off the the value of the stock market, and then you then you reset, and it can be a good time to get in. So it's yeah. much quicker process in the housing market i think it's it's a matter of months or years yeah indeed well um finally then tom just the uh, the final piece of the puzzle in this conversation i think is to talk about uh the people building houses um and of course there are lots of people who invest uh, in those house building companies um they have had a pretty terrible time of it it's fair to say obviously they're facing house price falls that we've spoken about um but that comes after a cost of well inflation including lots of commodity inflation house builders surprise surprise use a lot of commodities to build their houses um they've had a really really tough time of it yes i mean there are lots more moving parts uh for the house builders than there are for a house buyer and and you've you've highlighted the you know the most important one is that they're actually being squeezed at both ends that their cost base has risen enormously i mean the cost of yeah. both building materials but also labor um, has course, yeah. has soared. So, you know, th- those are two very significant costs for a house builder, probably the two most significant after the cost of land itself. Um, and it soared in, in recent years. And then at the other end of the uh, equation, um, buyers are stretched because they can't, can't afford to borrow as much money. So mm. it, it has been very difficult. And over the last couple of years, we have seen a big correction in uh, in house builders share prices I, I was actually looking before we before we came into the studio and uh so three of the biggest barclay barrett developments and taylor wimpy they've all fallen over the last yeah. two years now interesting there's been quite a difference between them so barclay which is a which is a more high-end builder so it's it's got slightly different dynamics maybe it's got fewer people who are dependent mm-hmm. on mortgages i don't know the details exactly but it, it's fallen about 15 percent over the last um two years but the other two Barrett and Taylor Wimpy are both down by about a third in two years so very significant um, correction and um, it's hard to see what the catalyst would be for for a revaluation of those just yet. Well I was going to ask that because you know everything's got a value right Mm. and um, you will you you certainly find um, brokers willing to recommend people buy those shares Mm. because of their value characteristics they're very 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 cheap but as you say it's not just about that you've got to be uh, confident that something's going to come along to change the fortunes and that mm. doesn't seem close no I mean I'm old enough to remember you know when I when I first started in this business um, uh, Barrett Developments actually was was practically bust um, in the uh, as a as a consequence of the 1980s uh, recession um, and so a fall of 35 percent or whatever it is in the share price um, doesn't feel like a sort of you know, an an obvious um, green light for for getting back into it. So, you know, the, these yeah. these share prices can 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 fall. Okay, okay. Well, Tom, that is about all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more 
volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.